The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Yesterday was Whistleblower Wednesday. Whistleblower X came forward. His name is Joseph Ziegler. Here's part of what he had to say yesterday. Hmm. Thus, as I read the public documents as the Department of Justice action against Hunter Biden, there's nothing that indicates Hunter Biden will be required to amend his false tax return for 2018. A false tax return that includes proper deductions, improper deductions for prostitutes, sex clubs, and and his adult children's tuition. Now, and that's the point, if he doesn't have to amend it, he doesn't have to pay the taxes that he actually owes. Right. And he made that clear. Ziegler made that clear. It's like, whoa. Uh, We did not hear. This was over by 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. Because it was a little over four hours long. Right. Any response... From the Department of Justice. I didn't see I anything. didn't see anything officially, no. Nothing. Uh, that had been said before, that, that Hunter Biden is not going to pay all the taxes that he was attempting to evade. Mm-hmm. And that is the point, I think, Republicans, you know, you can, you can bring up the, it's very important, the felony versus the misdemeanor, but you want to get the attention of the American public? This is how crooked... It's gotten Hunter Biden doesn't have to pay all of his taxes. If that is true, I wonder if they amend that in the deal <laughs> in, in the plea bargain. OK, well, we can't do that. Here's a question that I have, though, and it hasn't been answered. What if the judge comes uh, through next week and says, OK, the deal's fine? Does everything go away? Well, you don't need those a sp- specific charges, yes. Do you need a special prosecutor at that point? No. Do you need a special prosecutor <laughs> or the inspector general or someone? Oh, Ziegler did mention the inspector general is a part of it, but didn't say what part. 
Yeah, yeah, I saw that, he and we haven't that, yes. heard anything from the no. IG. It, it, you you typically wouldn't unless the IG were yeah. called to testify or were required to uh, give a report on on all of it. I mean, there is going there is well, paperwork. He is a part of the whistleblower process, as yes. the inspector general is. Who right. is? Uh, I can't think of his name. Oh, the one that was there for. Uh, that testified a couple of Decembers ago. I just can't Horowitz. think of Horowitz. Michael mm-hmm. Horowitz, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is he involved in any of this? Is he doing an investigation on what's going on? Have, yeah, that's have, all the questions have, we've been have, asking. Have flags gone off? Now, I saw Dershowitz yesterday said the judge should say, look, this prosecutor was, was from what we know from the whistleblowers, was held back. I need to find out whether that was true or not. Can a judge do that and say, I need that prosecutor to testify? Before You need to come before me under oath and tell me whether you were held back from prosecuting, that you actually believed he should have been charged with these things. Because when we talk about plea bargains, usually you get a plea bargain, you know, if you're a first-time offender or something like that. Normally you don't get plea bargains on willfully, repeatedly evading taxes. You just don't. You're on, going, something you're, th- on something this huge, right. it would have to be an offering by the defendant to prosecution, which I don't know what that would be. I don't know what Hunter has to offer. Well, uh, you may you may not get ten felonies. You may get one. Right. But that's what the whistleblowers were saying. We have never seen anybody get any of this treatment ever in our careers. That's a point. And even Raskin trying to make the case, well, this is prosecutorial discretion. No, it's not. No, it's not. All the prosecutors. That's an interesting point. Because it was Shapley who said in his, uh, Shapley Shapley, who said in his opening uh, remarks, he said, I encourage and wish that all of the agents come aboard and become whistleblowers and tell the truth. Because if you get think about this, if you get to the testimony where because he said everyone agreed, so mm-hmm. if all the inv- and I don't know how many investigators there are on this particular thing, mm-hmm. but if you had six investigators and you had a co- and and the the prosecutor, uh, you know, and Weiss agreed this is what he wanted, and he's the prosecutor for this, so the prosecutor and all the agents agreed. And you get that under oath. That's pretty strong. Well, then who put the order down? Hmm. And wh- and why? And do the American people deserve an answer from the Department of Justice uh, on this? But the thing I see here is what you're, because we're asking what is, what is the goal of Republicans. The first goal would be, you know, I know a lot of people would say to put Joe Biden in jail. No, that's not your first job. Your first job is to. If wrongdoing has has uh, happened, you're a political entity is to create as much, you know, political damage as possible. And the only recourse you really have would be impeachment. But you can't do that without the Senate removal from office or, on the other hand, have the public pressure so great because you have beyond a you. I won't say beyond a reasonable doubt, because that would be in a court of law. But you have. You have presented such evidence of wrongdoing and guilt where the president would have to resign. Yeah. Because, well, because the current president probably isn't going to 
jail even for this. The greatest that, concern that, is that is that he is compromised. And he's, yeah, exactly. if, compromised, if, he, not, if, he, right. if he winds up in jail eventually, that's one thing. But the greatest concern is that he is a sitting president and he is compromised. Well, I mean, a lot of times you, uh, you the Department of Justice, like Nixon, will say either resign or we're charging you with obstruction of justice. Right. And then when he resigned, he was, you know, pardoned mm-hmm. at that point. Right. By Ford coming in. Mm-hmm. And and so that's traditionally what has what has uh, happened. But the Republicans, it was it was a lot more impactful. The whole media may not have covered it as you and I thought they they might. I think you're going to see it as people digest what happened. But it was pretty intense yesterday. And I know that Democrats are scared. Democrats are scared as to what this means for 2024 because yesterday was not a good day. They couldn't dent these investigators no, no, at all. No. No, and, you know, looking to build that political pressure, that uh, political will, uh, the, you know, a couple of questions remain on the plea deal, on the hearing. Is it going to take place when it's scheduled, or is it going to be delayed? Uh, what will the judge do? But a lot of this, and and what you're building, if you're the GOP, also is not just for uh, the rank and file voter and 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 people to be uh, very concerned about this, which they should be. It's for that judge to to get word of how this all went down. And somebody mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of the Democrats. Well, this is all about. Donald Trump and his influence and his influence and his influence. No, it is about influence. The whole day is about influence. And it is about where this is going to go and how much is known about how this all happened. And that includes the judge. I mean, does Dershowitz have a point? I don't know how it goes in the federal courts. Did Dershowitz have a point when he and we played the audio earlier where he said no? This judge should say, no, this is not going to be a deal because Weiss, you know, even uh, uh, even uh, uh, Shapley said, well, if you see what he said in that June memo where he said that I had full discretion, but I didn't have full, you know, not full discretion. I had full authority, but then said I don't have full authority. Mm -hmm. He contradicted himself in there. Mm -hmm. And Dershowitz trying to make the point that if the judge sees that and the judge says, excuse me, the prosecutors and the prosecutors and the the agents wish to do it. Hey, the judge can say, I watched the testimony under oath mm-hmm. that they made. I want Weiss under oath to tell me whether he agrees with this plea deal or whether those agents under oath were telling the truth that this prosecution that the prosecutors and the agents didn't want it. The bureaucrats forced it upon you. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Weiss, are you telling the truth or not? Right. And so I don't know. I don't know what the precedent is for something like this. No, um, <laughs> that's the thing. You there don't really know. isn't. There really isn't any. I mean, 
in, in modern political times, there just isn't. But I've never seen a hearing where the witnesses really weren't touched. Even the FBI agents that came in for the weaponization of government. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, they're going to hit them because this is pretty generalized. Well, what were you doing? Well, this isn't generalized. This is a specific case yeah. that they worked on. Yeah. It's not, in general, the weaponization of government, where government's going, because that covers a broad area that gave a lot of leeway for Democrats to attack. You couldn't attack yesterday. No. No. You, you could not attack. No. In fact, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll play. Uh, we'll, we'll repeat it again in case you didn't hear it. We played at the beginning of the show. We'll play Ziegler's testimony. Yeah, because it's extremely it's extremely strong, and for both of them though, we have heard Shapley more than Ziegler. Ziegler we just heard yesterday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but after you and I played it, we looked at each other and on the air said, "How do you argue it?" Yeah, and how do you, you argue you really their points? Can't. You can't. You can't. If and, you're a Democrat, you really don't yeah. even want to engage on the topic itself. You and so, just don't. so when you have that kind of thing, the, the public, the public pressure, the pressure inside Washington, everyone knows this stinks to high heavens. And I'm really interested to see: is the Department of Justice going to try, you know, to save what they have now and get this deal done? Will they respond? Today, will they respond tomorrow? Because we've heard nothing. And we know when Merrick Garland believes he has a point, he will run to the podium. Yeah, and I'm guessing their their play is to cross their fingers that the judge does not step in front of this. That they can close the door on this with the plea deal and move on. Because if they do that and it goes through, there's really not much else you could do. I mean, there are other charges that could be brought, but who's going to bring them? I mean, the investigation can still continue. Mm-hmm. It loses its oomph, mm-hmm. but the oversight committee look into where the money has gone can still lead can still lead to Joe Biden. I, I dare say that politically, if you get it, if it does go through and the plea deal is done, Politically, it may have a more harsh effect Effect, because it actually did go through and get done. And that Hunter got away with it. That's something that will not set Mm -hmm. well with with most Americans. And, And I still believe you can't underestimate that it's not just, well, they should have been felonies and not the, you know, the misdemeanors. Right. And then the diversion, this should have been a lot more serious. The charges should have stuck. But Ziegler's point, they let him off not paying the taxes that he was attempting to evade. That one may be unforgivable to the American public. because, it, And that would be on every debate stage if I were telling any GOP candidate that's standing up there opposite of Joe Biden. You mention it every single time. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Crop moisture use peaks this time of year. 
USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says add summer heat and following topsoil moisture condition ratings can be interesting. Yet for the period ending July 16th. Topsoil moisture, 38%, very short to short. That's actually down two percentage points from last week and 6% surplus. That is up one percentage point from the previous week. The primary reason for the rise in topsoil moisture, heavy rains in the northeast that have led to flash flood incidents. Meanwhile, we still have plenty of areas that could use a little more moisture as we head into the mid to late summer. Such as the Midwest, where nine states report topsoil moisture at least one-third very short to short, the Pacific Northwest, and Texas. Where it's been hot and dry for a month, but it's been a relatively isolated area of dryness and heat. Texas coming in this week, 66% topsoil moisture very short to short. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just uh, reading here where <laughs> you see where uh, Matt uh, uh, Gates was uh, uh, asking the head of the uh, Air Force Academy yesterday uh, uh, about gender identity labels mm-hmm. that the Air Force, you know, actually has in for, like, people that should apply for jobs yeah and he could not define this is the head of the air force he couldn't define what the labels meant it's like excuse me you're you're giving preferential treatment to labels and you can't identify you don't know what they are you don't know what they are and he goes yeah that's correct it was bad which means anybody who just says that they fall under that whatever it is gets the treatment he actually says uh your uh, uh gates said you're uh literally pushing a program uh, in the academics that says if you're a cisgender woman a transgender man a, a nine bar- a nine non-binary a gender by gender two-spirit dare gender what's a what's a dare gender and he says so that's a term of the people that are eligible for the particular scholarship. <laughs> then he asked him, well, what does it mean? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a 70s rock star. I know. Rick Derringender. Uh, rock and roll hoochie coo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the uh, heck, man? Uh, Gason asked if he knew what agender meant, and the general said, I don't know. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. have a clue. We're giving scholarships. It was out of the Air Force Academy. Yeah. Excuse me. I said yeah. Air Force. Out of the Air Force Academy. The general is like, I don't even. We're giving. We're giving scholarships. I can't even tell you why. Yeah. I don't know what the purpose is. I can't define the labels of the people that get the scholarships. Right. This is how bad it is. <laughs> how insane it is. Well, I don't know. Aim high. Some kind of person. 
Yeah. I'm not sure what <laughs> aim high. <laughs> aim high. United States Air Force. Wow. I mean, seriously. The whole world is laughing. Just laughing. This is how you build your national defense. Yeah, I know. It's insanity. Some kind of weird costume party. What in the what in the world is wrong with you? Lieutenant uh, uh, General Richard Clark was unable to define gender identity terms like agender and demigender that were listed in eligibility guidelines for a fellowship that's open to Air Force cadets. He couldn't identify. You don't even know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they are. Wow. Insane. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, interesting, uh, we're going to play uh, uh, the opening uh, statement from uh, Joseph Ziegler. He was whistleblower X uh, who came forward. And it was interesting when I woke up yesterday, you know, and I immediately went, okay, you know, have they identified whistleblower X? And well, no, they didn't give his name, but they gave him his identity. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, you're, you're <laughs> there's where we are now as a society. Your identity comes before your name, <laughs> right? And it was like whistleblower X is a gay Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, did. Did the media come out with that for a reason? No, that was in his statement because his statement had come out. Right. 
and he put it in there you know he put it in there specifically mm-hmm. you know for a reason because one of the things he was trying to the point he was trying to make as an investigator is I'm not partisan that's the law my only job is to look at the law and see if it's broken that's it yeah not what your politics are not what your sexuality is. Right. Not anything except, did you break the law? And you look for the evidence that a suspect has broken the law. But here's uh, his opening statement yesterday. And members of the committee, today I, I, I sit here before you not as a hero or, or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. That said, in coming forward... I believe I'm risking my career, my reputation, and my casework outside of the investigation we are here to discuss. I ultimately made the decision to come forward after what I believe were multiple attempts at blowing the whistle in the Internal Revenue Service, at the Internal Revenue Service. No one should be above the law, regardless of your political affiliation. I humbly view my role here today as providing the facts as I best understood them and to let Congress and the administration and the public consider those facts and determine the best path forward. I recognize why I was present at the start of this investigation and was closely involved with the investigation for roughly five years. I'm just a part of the story. Others, including my colleague and supervisor Gary Shapley, who is here with me today, have their own views and understandings of what took place during this investigation. I've been an agent with the IRS since 2010. In 2007, I received my undergraduate degree from Ohio University my MBA from John Carroll University. Prior to starting my career at the IRS, I worked at Ernst & Young Young as an external auditor. Throughout my career with the IRS, I have worked a variety of successful criminal tax and money money laundering investigations. In 2018, I transitioned to to being a part of the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group out of the Washington, D.C. field office. I was the lead IRS case agent on the Hunter Biden investigation. I've recently discovered that people are saying that I must be more credible because I'm a Democrat who happens to be married to a man. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. The truth is, my credibility comes today from my job experience with the IRS and my intimate knowledge of the agency's standard and procedures. I was raised and have always strived to do what is right. Although I do have my supporters, others have said that I am a traitor to the Democratic Party and that I am causing more division in our society. I implore you to consider that if you were in my position with the facts as I have stated them, ask yourself if you would be doing the exact same thing. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to the experience and feelings I encountered when coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what is right, and I'm standing in, or I'm sitting here in front of you today. I would first like to take a minute to thank some people for their unfettered help and support. First off, God, for giving me the strength and courage to get through this process. My husband, who has been my rock, has put up with me, my stress, and has had to deal with, with his personal information being out there. 
my attorney, Dean Zerbe, who has agreed to represent me through this matter pro bono and someone who has provided me so much help and guidance. My colleagues from the Hunter Biden investigation. The work that was done on this case was, is tremendous, but seems to be overshadowed by what is happening here today. And I just want to say to the investigative team that I am thankful for having worked with you. I also want to thank my family and friends back home in Northeast Ohio and Georgia. I don't live in the D.C. area. I had to fly here and have had to pay out of pocket for all my travel-related expenses in being a whistleblower. On that note, I would like to make another statement that I have not accepted a single payment from anyone for being a whistleblower. First, well, so Mr. Chairman, while I have my written statement as well as my testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, I would like to touch on briefly seven specific matters. First, in a recent letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss stated that he had been granted ultimate authority over this matter, but then later stated in the same letter that his charging authority is geographically limited and that he would need a President Biden appointed U.S. attorney to partner with him in charging the case. Mr. Weiss stated that he, is, he was making all decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution consistent with federal law, the principles of federal prosecution, and departmental regulations. In the, internal, in the criminal tax manual, Chapter 10, found on the DOJ website, tax division policy states that cases involving indiv individuals who fail to file tax returns or pay a tax, but who also commit acts of evasion or obstruction, should be charged as felonies to avoid inequitable treatment. In early August of 2022, federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice Tax Division drafted a 99-page memorandum. In, in so, they were recommending for approval felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years. That did not happen here, and I am not sure why. And as, to the special, and, and as the special agent on this case, I thought the felony charges were well supported. When considering the elements of felony tax case, under the criminal code, there are two key considerations, willfulness and tax due and owing. In the criminal context, willfulness is, a, is defined as voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. The tax loss is the monetary loss to the government. In 2020, in early 2020, Hunter Biden, Unfile, or Hunter Biden's unfiled and delinquent tax returns were being prepared, which included his 2018 tax return. During the 2020 time period, by Hunter Biden's own account, he was sober, newly married, and writing his memoir. Hunter Biden's accountants requested that he sign a representation letter stating that all the deductions were for business purposes and were being reported appropriately. Statements Hunter Biden made in his book completely contradicted what he was deducting as business deductions on his 2018 return. While writing his memoir, Hunter stated, I holed up inside the chateau for the first six weeks and learned how to cook crack. Hunter Biden allegedly falsely claimed business deductions for, chat for payments made to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for his supposed drug dealer, sex club memberships, falsely referenced on the wire as a golf membership, hotels he was blacklisted from, and a Columbia University tuition payment for his adult daughter. All of these items were used to support willfulness, the willfulness element for felony tax evasion. These false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his total income by approximately $267,000 and a loss to the U.S. Treasury of $106,000. 
Second, with respect to the 2014 tax year, Hunter Biden did not report any of the money he earned from Burisma for the 2014 tax year, which would have, lo- which would have been a tax loss to the government of $124,000. According to my previous testimony, Hunter Biden did not report this income to the IRS or pay tax on the source of income. There is nothing that I see in the public documents as to the Department of Justice's action against Hunter Biden that inter- indicate that Hunter Biden will be required to pay tax on this Burisma income from 2014 or amend his 2014 tax return. I would like to note that the plea agreement, when released, may provide a a greater understanding. Third, I would like to make clear that the charging document for the District of Delaware, Hunter Biden was charged with failure to timely pay his taxes for 2017 and 18 in excess of $100,000 for each tax year. On Hunter Biden's 2017 and 18 tax returns, Hunter reported taxes owed of of approximately $581,000 and $620,000, respectfully. This tax amount in 2018 would not have included the alleged additional tax due and owing from the filed false return of $106,000. Thus, as I read the public documents as the Department of Justice action against Hunter Biden, there is nothing that indicates Hunter Biden will be required to amend his false tax return for 2018. A false tax return that includes proper deductions, improper deductions for prostitutes, sex clubs, and his, chi- and his adult children's tuition. Again, perhaps when the plea agreement is released, it may provide us with a greater understanding. Fourth, the decision to bring felony counts against Hunter Biden was agreed to by both prosecutors and investigators. In the fall of 2021, I met with prosecutors assigned to the case, and we all agreed and decided which charges we are going to recommend. in the prosecution report, which included felony counts related to 2014 and 18. In March of 2022, the prosecutors requested discovery from the investigative team and presented the case to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. In later meetings in early August of 2022, the assigned prosecutors, all four attorneys, agreed to recommend felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years, insofar as the Department of Justice Tax Division attorney sent an email about the process of bringing charges to include felony and misdemeanor tax charges in two separate districts, Delaware and Los Angeles. Less than a month later, Gary Shapley and I met with Mr. Weiss. He stated that he agreed with us regarding the 2014 and 2015 tax year misdemeanor and felony charges, but that this could somehow affect the later year misdemeanor and felony charges that he conveyed were stronger. Despite these facts, the plea deal that is, being dis- that is being discussed occurred. To this day, I do not have a reason why that occurred. From my perspective, this might not have been problematic had the investigation been handled in the ordinary course. Fifth, as I had previously testified and is contained in my written testimony, I have outlined for you some instances in which assigned prosecutors did not appear to follow the normal investigative process so walk the investigation and put, play, put in place unnecessary approvals and roadblocks from effectively and, and efficiently investigating the case. A number of times we were not able to follow the facts. I am happy to respond to questions concerning these instances. Sixth, I will also note that while the impression has been conveyed by the U.S. Attorney in Delaware that he has similar powers to that of a special counsel in this case, free reign to do as needed, that was not the case. 
It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation um, to further handle ancillary investigations that are spun off and relate to Hunter Biden but may not have venue in Delaware. I lastly, I would like to conclude again by encouraging Congress and the administration to consider establishing an official channel for federal investigators to pull the emergency cord and raise the issue of the appointment or of the appointment of a special counsel for consideration by senior officials. I do not want my colleagues at the IRS, FBI, and other federal law enforcement agencies to go through my frustrating journey, to go through my frustrating journey and that of our team. I believe such a path will strengthen the public's confidence in their institutions and their fair and equal treatment of all Americans under the law. There you go. As I said, Democrats argue about you know, argue with them. You can't. No, there's no way. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. So next week it would be when the the judge is supposed to do the plea deal. It's really going to be fascinating to see how the Department of Justice responds to this. And if if there's a sense of urgency in Republicans to explain uh, or pressure uh, the the judge, and how do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, It it, it could be that the judge, I mean, the judge just sees it and... And uh, and takes everything in, and, and there's consideration there. But it also could be that the judge looks at it and says, well, nothing we can do about it. And the plea deal goes through. We'll see if anything is delayed yeah. in that uh, process as well. Well, that's why I looked at what Dershowitz said. When Dershowitz said, well, look, the, the prosecutor has admitted he didn't have authority to do anything. Mm-hmm. And as you saw, when we paid attention to Ziegler, Ziegler said every single prosecutor wanted to charge felonies. You, every, can, every, you can only hope that the judge right. is paying attention here. Yeah. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
welcome to Talkville. The Ultimate Smallville Rewatch Podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.